if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. This is a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It's a Friday, a free-for-all Friday. To an extent, I don't have any guests scheduled, so that makes it a full free-for-all Friday. However, I'm going to tell you, I've got a lot of stuff to tell you. I've got a lot of information to share. I've got some audio to play that you're going to need to hear and you're going to need to learn from if we're going to continue our quest to uh, protect and save this country and our entire way of life. Uh, and, and I'm talking about the American way of life, which is very, very much in jeopardy right now. So it is the 29th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2021. It is still the year of our Lord. Yes, just like I said during the trials and travails of 2020. Uh, we are in some serious, serious problems, but yes, the Lord has still got this as long as we still have the Lord. Uh, keep that in mind. That's the end of my, of my preaching for the day. Um, so much to talk about, uh, this morning, and I want to start with the fact that we are no longer living. This is what I mean when I say the American way of life. We are no longer living in the free constitutional representative republic that we once held. We are now living in the throes of a dictatorship. How do we know this? Not because I'm some liberal making unfounded claims of dictatorial orders by President Trump, but because I am an American watching the reality of a President Biden. The numbers are out. In the first 10 days of their presidencies, these are the numbers of executive orders issued by past presidents going all the way back to George H.W. Bush. George H.W. Bush in 1988, when he was inaugurated, actually, you know, January 1989, I don't want to play that game. Uh, George H.W. Bush wrote one executive order. When Bill Clinton came in in 1992, he wrote two executive orders. When George H. or excuse me, George W. Bush took over in 2000, again January of 2001, he wrote two executive orders. Barack Obama, he matched the last three by himself. He wrote five executive orders in his first ten days in office. That's as many, as I said, as Bush, Clinton, and Bush 1, or Bush 41, combined. Then here comes Donald Trump. Donald Trump even went one better than Obama. Six executive orders in his first 10 days in office. 
And now, here's Joe Biden. Previous numbers, once again, one, two, two, five, and six for the previous five presidents. Joe Biden in 10 days has written 40, four zero, four times 10, four quad, 40, 40, four zero executive orders. That his spokesperson, Jen Psaki, says is because it was so necessary to undo everything that Donald Trump had done. All of the damage, all of the pain and the suffering that the country was going through under Donald Trump had to be undone immediately by all of these executive orders. Yes, all of the pain and suffering that were endured by those um, Keystone XL pipeline workers who had been working for the last four years with good paying blue-collar union jobs, that suffering needed to end, and they needed to be put on unemployment so they can enjoy their lives. All of the oil workers and natural gas workers who are going to be out of work because of the executive order pausing drilling on federal lands and exploring for uh, energy on federal lands and waters, those people are now going to be able to ease the pain and suffering of employment by being unemployed, not being able to make their house payments and their car payments and put food on their tables, their insurance premiums, they're all going to be unemployed and enjoying their lives. We needed to ease their pain and suffering. All of those girls competing in the sports that they have dedicated their lives to, yes, young athletes dedicate large portions of their lives to their crafts, especially if they have any hopes of playing in their sports beyond high school and into the college realm. All of those young girls who had worked to be the best of the best in their respective events and sports, we need to ease that pain and suffering by making them race against boys so that they go from being first in the state in their respective events to sixth behind five biological boys claiming that they feel like girls. Yeah, the pain and the suffering of those girls needed to be eased by now losing their opportunities to perform well, impress scouts, earn scholarships, advance themselves. The insanity that is being put on display right now by the new Biden-Harris administration is almost without description. It is certainly without precedent. What we are witnessing has nothing to do with governing for the betterment of the American people. What we are witnessing is political retribution, payback for the orange man that we hated so much that we, that we launched an investigation weaponizing the FBI before he was even elected to try to find a way to get rid of him. Then, the moment he was elected, announcing impeachment is underway. 19 minutes after the, the inauguration. Then... For two and a half years, the Russian investigation, the collusion hoax, headed up by Robert Mueller. we got to get him out of there. Then, when, we, when it was proven that there was nothing, nothing that he nor his campaign team did wrong or did anything to collude with Russians, and the Mueller probe came up empty, 
It was the Ukraine phone call. Hey! He tried to influence the outcome of the next election by telling Ukraine to help him against Joe Biden. When the reality was that Joe Biden used his platform as vice president to enrich his son. By demanding that the, and I don't want to get into all of the nuts and bolts of this, but you know this, demanding that the prosecutor looking into Burisma and Hunter Biden's relationship be fired. Got it done. But that led to an impeachment of Donald Trump, which of course fizzled in the Senate. Then COVID hit. Trump is killing Americans. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's letting people die. After all, all he's doing is telling people to wear masks, socially distance, working on Operation Warp Speed to get a vaccine faster than any vaccine in history has ever been developed. And that's letting people die. So what we are going to do is we're going to come in and tell people to wear masks and socially distance and take the vaccine. Oh, but we're better than him because we're going to tell them to wear two masks. See, if Trump would have come up with two masks instead of just one, more people would have lived. This is impossible to comprehend what Joe Biden has done to this country. Tens of thousands of workers already got pink slips, and he's just getting warmed up. Wait until the full force effect of the Green New Deal by piecemeal, which is what is going on, is felt by all of the fossil fuel workers in America. And it would be one thing if there was a consensus or even a majority of legislators who said this must be done, these are good decisions, these things must happen, and they passed through the Congress the way the United States is supposed to be run. It would be one thing, and it would still be dangerous. It would still be wrong, quite frankly, but if the entire legislature and the House and in the Senate felt this way, at least we know that there are some representatives of the people that are making these decisions for them in this representative republic. But instead, Joe Biden is ruling by executive fiat. He has picked up his pen, and it is mine. He's sitting at that table every day signing new executive orders on his own without consulting the legislature. He has picked up that pen he looks at it closely, he closes his eyes, and in his mind, you can just see the whirring going on, and in his mind, he sees that pen as a scepter. He is King Biden, and what he declares, so shall it be. Forty executive orders in ten days. Trump used six. Obama used five. This is not how a representative republic that liberals like to call a democracy, erroneously, this is not how it is supposed to be run. Senator Josh Hawley. These are radical policies he's pursuing. I mean, killing energy jobs, killing the energy sector in the United States, which is essentially what he's doing. Can you imagine how many good-paying American jobs that's going to cost? I mean, and then you get the radical actions with women's sports and across the board. I mean, it's really, it's breathtaking what he's trying to do on substance. It's breathtaking that he's trying to do it without any democratic debate or legislation. He's right. He's a thousand times right. So is Mitch McConnell. 
the new Senate minority leader, formerly Senate majority leader, is outraged. And he correctly points out how enraged the left would be if it was Donald Trump throwing 40 executive orders down without even attempting to work with the Congress. Which is even more insane under Biden because he's got the Democrat-controlled Congress he ought to be able to work with. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell slamming President Biden for unleashing a tsunami of pink slips, as he put it, as part of his $2 trillion environmental policy agenda announced this week. McConnell said those policies, including a moratorium on new oil and gas drilling on federal lands, will harm the economic recovery from COVID-19. Buried in the flurry of executive actions, a guarantee for unemployment insurance to employees who refuse to work due to COVID-19 concerns. Indeed, virus concerns were thought to be largely responsible for the Labor Department's reported 140,000 job losses back in December. How about that gem at the end of that report? How about that gem? We didn't talk about that this week. We should. We will. In Joe Biden's America, you don't have to work. All you have to do is declare, I'm scared. Declare that you're scared of the China virus, and we're going to spend the taxpayers of your neighbors to make sure that you are taken care of. You don't have to apply for jobs, even jobs that might be in more safe and sterile environments, so you're not quite as scared of the China virus. He issued an executive order that said workers have a federally guaranteed right to refuse employment that will jeopardize their health. And if they do so, they will still qualify for unemployment insurance. Your tax dollars. You're going to work every day. Potentially putting your health in danger. Who knows, depending on where you work and what the rules are like and where the virus happens to be at that time. But you're putting your health in danger, and you're going to work, and you're getting a paycheck, and on Friday, on that paycheck, there's a little line that says, tax for your neighbor who says he's scared to work. Tax for him. And dollars that are supposed to go to you are going to him. Because Joe Biden says, if people are afraid to work because of the China virus, then they don't have to work. Big government continuing to to use voters and exploit voters. Tricking voters, tricking willing voters into saying, yeah, the Democrats are my kind of people. They give me free crap all the time, and I don't even have to have a reason. Free crap, that's for me. Working is for suckers. That's what this order does. If you can't tell, I am just getting warmed up. It's 21 minutes after the hour. This is The Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. This on AM 1420, The Answer. I just had a friend text me and say, Bob, you can't say China virus. Didn't you know that Joe Biden signed an executive order banning the use of xenophobic 
uh, language like China virus, again, just to distance himself from Donald Trump. Well, of course I do. Of course I know that. Why the heck do you think I'm saying it? Why do you think I wrote it about 150 times on Facebook? All right, I didn't write it 150 times. I wrote it like four times, and then I did copy and paste until I got to about 150 of them, just to make my point. China virus, China virus, China virus, China virus. That's where it came from. I'm tired of this kissing the arse of the chai comms. Joe Biden might want to get back in bed and have a little fun with Xi Jinping, but I would rather keep that Chinese communist at arm's length, tariff the hell out of his goods, and balance the trade between us, which Donald Trump did. I want to get back to to, uh, Joe Biden's 40 executive orders, all of which are designed to alienate and tick off virtually every Trump supporter in America, and doing so after his call for unity. He called for unity in his inaugural address, right? I'd like you to take a look at how he and other members of the Democrat Party and the federal government are trying to achieve that unity. First, Joe Biden is signing executive orders that are going to, and is not, by the way, speaking out against the unconstitutional impeachment of his predecessor in this ridiculous Senate trial that's going to happen, ticking off 75 million Trump supporters who know this is bullcrap. In addition to that, Nancy Pelosi has decided she knows who the real enemies are in the United States. They're her fellow House members, Republicans, who carry guns for self-defense. They are the enemy within. She literally called them the enemy and declared that she and others are fearful Enough that they are demanding more security dollars for more security in Congress. Not, not security at Capitol Hill to stop rioters from running in, but to stop her own fellow House members from being violent. She literally said that, and then the Democrat Party says, we're trying to unite. It gets far worse than that. It gets far worse than that. Alexandria Damasio-Cortez raised the bar, or rather lowered the bar. Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, in a tweet, accused a sitting United States senator of trying to have her murdered. Let me say that again. She accused a sitting senator, Ted Cruz, of trying to have her murdered. In a tweet... Alexandria Damasio-Cortez wrote, and I quote, I am happy to work with Republicans on this issue where there's common ground. But you almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can sit this one out. Happy to work with almost any other GOP that aren't trying to get me killed. In the meantime, if you want to help, you can resign. That's a direct quote. On Twitter. Can't you feel the unity with Republicans? Can't you just feel the country coming together? 
She accused Ted Cruz of trying to have her murdered because Ted Cruz spoke on the Senate floor, and in fact, the joint session floor, to challenge the certification of the election based upon unanswered questions in several battleground states. In her mind, that led to her being almost murdered. In fact, quote, you almost had me murdered, and you are trying to get me killed. That's what she said. Not one word of condemnation has come from a Democrat. Not one word of condemnation. Or how about suspending or banning her account from the hipster doofuses like Jack Dorsey at Twitter? She accused a sitting senator, Ted Cruz, of trying to murder her. And she continues today on her social media pulpit. I have a response to that. I had a response to it yesterday when I hosted the Dennis Prager Show. We'll reprise that after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, it's 936. We're going to get to some phone calls here in just a moment, especially an important phone call from my friend Beverly Goldstein. But um, I want to give you what I promised you. Um, yesterday, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, actually, uh, yeah, it was early yesterday. I talked about this on the Prager show that I hosted yesterday afternoon. That's when I found out about it, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or Damasio-Cortez, if you will, uh, accused Ted Cruz of trying to have her murdered. This is what I said on the Prager Show. You almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can sit this one out. End quote. On a public platform, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez accused Ted Cruz of trying to have her murdered. She's been crying and screaming she almost died the day of the Capitol riots ever since January 6th. In fact, She has accused her fellow members of Congress in that room, the white male Republican members, of potentially putting her life in danger. She said that they, she felt and feared that they were going to signal somehow the rioters to come in there and show them where she was so they could kill her. Now she has identified not just a group of of members of Congress, she literally said to Ted Cruz, You almost had me murdered three weeks ago. The one thing, if I have any one wish that I could see granted in the calendar year 2021, and I might be stretching here because it's only January, but if I could have one wish granted, it would be that Ted Cruz sues her for slander and defamation of character. If this, I'm not a lawyer, but if this, if this is not actionable in a court of law, I don't know what is. This will fundamentally and thoroughly harm his reputation and damage his ability to, to do his job more than I think anything anybody could ever say about anyone else could. She accused Ted Cruz of trying to have her murdered in her own words. I hope Ted Cruz sues her for every tip she ever made behind the bar. 
and every tip she ever makes going forward when she returns there, which is where she is destined. I hope he takes anything and everything she ever made from selling herself on TikTok videos, making bread rolls or whatever the heck it is that she was doing. I hope every cent she ever makes trading on her image or her likeness or her videos or anything else belongs to Ted Cruz. You want to try to bring unity to the country, Joe Biden? Condemn AOC for accusing a senator, a United States senator, for trying to have her murdered. Now is the time, Joe Biden. Put your money where your mouth is. If you wish for unity to be brought to this nation, your pledge during your own inauguration was to unify this country, to bring right and left, Democrat and Republican, red state and blue state, to bring them together. Here is the opportunity to walk the walk after you talked that talk. If you don't issue a stern and unambiguous condemnation of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for publicly accusing a sitting United States Senator, Ted Cruz, of trying to have her murdered three weeks ago, then nothing you ever say in that Oval Office or behind that presidential seal should ever be taken seriously again. I should apologize there for that last remark, because I don't think I have taken anything he has said since he was inaugurated seriously anyway. But I think you understand the point. All right, it's uh, 9.40. I want to uh, go to the phones now. I want to welcome Beverly Goldstein. Beverly Goldstein is a former United States congressional candidate, and she is a former uh, head of Act for America Cleveland. She is now actively involved with the Red Green Axis Exposed organization with her uh, friend Dan Ramada and with Jim Simpson. And, of course, she's just our good friend. Beverly, good morning. Hi, Bob. Good morning. Well, um, you called me last week and actually said you wanted to get on the air to respond to something that is now a couple of weeks old, and that is the conversation that I had with Anthony Gonzalez, but I'm going to let you decide if that's still where you want to go or if you've got something else to say. Well, I just wanted to give our listeners a little background. Okay. You know, on November 5th, 2018, the day before the 2018 election, President Donald Trump flew to Ohio to Cleveland, and he highlighted in a beautiful rally both Governor DeWine, candidate for governor, Governor DeWine, and um, Anthony Gonzalez. Now, at that time, Steve Krause and Beverly Goldstein were also candidates for the U.S. House, and we were given really nice VIP tickets. Okay, uh, Steve didn't sit close to the podium, but I was seated right behind where the president was speaking. So I was actually in view the whole event, which was great, but I was not offered an opportunity to speak as I was in 2016. And the point I wanted to make is that as I was a candidate, in that time period and on the candidate trail with Gonzalez, he's a very nice person. And I came to the conclusion 
that except for being like maybe a good husband and a great football player and a nice guy and whatever, I, I got to and worked hard in the ground level at the GOP for a short period of time. I never heard anything he said or wanted to accomplish that would help the district he was running in and would help the contiguous district that I was running in. Now, President Trump came to us, I'm sure, um, on the request of Jim Renacci, or that had to play a big role in it, mm-hmm. because it was Renacci's seat that Gonzalez was running for, and we certainly didn't want to lose that seat to a Democrat. I just feel that if you took a 10-year period of time and you looked at every man and woman who attempted to run for a seat in the U.S. House, Democrat, Republican, primary, and regular elections, general elections, that's a lot of people in a 10-year period of time. And our president, Donald J. Trump, took the time, the money, and the heart to come here on behalf of Anthony Gonzalez and Michael DeWine. And they have done nothing but kick him in the face. So all I wanted to tell you is that Steve Krause, former candidate, and Beverly Goldstein, former candidate, are still with our president, 45th president, 100%, while these other two people whom the president personally helped get elected and reelected, mm-hmm. just absolutely left him. And I think that that is an example, and you were just talking about AOC's comment about Ted Cruz, who probably one of the finest people who lives in the United States of America and his story of how his family got here. I just think, that the idea of decency and the idea of respect is just completely gone, which was really very fundamental in our founding and in the way people treated each other and spoke to each other. So I was just asking you to give me a chance to tell our listeners that I believe that people like Anthony Gonzalez, Michael DeWine, Liz Cheney, they absolutely left us, they, they, and we need to leave them. So I don't know what the plans are to replace Anthony, and guess who all his buddies are? All the football players who kneel before those games, the national anthem is being played. I wonder if that whole vote against Trump had anything to do with friends from around the country, the kneelers of the world, saying to him, okay, you're looking to us every two years to help you get reelected. You stand with President Trump right now. I'm, I don't know this to be a fact, but yeah. I'm just saying to you that money in politics is where everything really begins to happen. And if people behind the scenes were saying to Anthony, you are not our guy if you are with the president. And Anthony wakes up and goes, well, he ain't going to be our president. We might as well move on. I just think it was despicable. I think that last part is probably the closest to the reality. The money and then the fear of being canceled if he shows support for 45, which is happening to 
both elected officials, former elected officials, former government uh, or cabinet members, appointees, and just voters uh, who support Trump. I think there was a combination of that. I won't go so far as to question his patriotism, saying that because he played football, he might be sympathetic to the kneelers. Because like you said, Bev, I don't know that, so I won't make that accusation or even that insinuation. But I will say his vote to impeach the president without giving him due process makes me question his commitment to the Constitution. And that especially what you just said, after the president went out of his way to feature him when he came to Ohio to help support him by name as well as Mike DeWine while kind of leaving you and Steve off to the side, um, for him to repay the president in such a way is just beyond reprehensible. And I'm glad that you pointed all that out, Beth. Well, thank you for the opportunity and the microphone. And I just think that it's on us, Bob. If we want our country back, the key thing now is to really count the real votes in the battleground states. And I know in Maricopa County that's happening. Michael mentioned last night that uh, Wisconsin may be moving in that direction. All of the news is so depressing. If you have to get up and go to work every day, it's like you have to put some of it to the side. 40 executive orders in two minutes. I know, I know. I mean... and that, and that is the part. And that is the part. It's not just what those orders are. It is that those orders exist. I mentioned it before. Forty in ten days for crying out loud. Uh, when the predecessors, uh, you know, his last five predecessors, not, didn't even come close to that combined. That is dictatorial, and that is why we fight. But Bev, we will continue to fight. Get up every day and keep fighting that fight because we are right, and right is right, and uh, that's the way we're going to approach it. Beverly, thank you, thank dear. You, I always appreciate the chance to hear from Hi. you. It's nine forty-eight. We'll take a quick time out and come right back. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi there, everybody. Al Pulowski here, the voice of the Cleveland State Vikings men's basketball team. You can catch every Cleveland State basketball game right here on 1420 WHK. Plus, catch the Cleveland State Coaches Show with Dennis Gates Wednesday nights from 7 until 8. Make sure you join us all season long right here on the flagship home for Cleveland State men's basketball, 1420 WHK, 102.5 FM, whkradio.com online. Also, iHeartTuneIn and radio.com. All right, it's 9.53. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, let's get a few phone calls in here before the top of the hour on a free-for-all Friday. By the way, just a little tease ahead. Uh, Yesterday, I made a comment as I was uh, listening to some of the most god-awful tripe that I've ever heard from a Herman Munster before. Uh, when I played you John Kerry's clips about uh, uh, the Green Energy Initiative and climate and everything else that Biden is doing and that he is doing with Biden, I mentioned they don't care about children. They don't care about slavery. Because if they did, they would stop pushing this movement that is being funded or being being uh, serviced by child slaves. I didn't follow up on that. But I want you to know I didn't misspeak. Little children, little black children in particular, are being used as slave labor to fund and provide critical ingredients and materials for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and John Kerry's electric car and green energy dream. They don't care about little black slave children. I didn't misspeak yesterday, but I didn't follow up on it to let you know what I meant. 
I will today, right after the top of the hour news. Mark it down. You're going to want to hear it. Sally is in Berea. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Sally. Go right ahead. Hi. It's been a while since I called you about my concerns regarding the vulnerability of our electrical grid and the potential catastrophic dangers entailed. Originally, I was concerned about an electromagnetic pulse mm-hmm. attack from another country, such as China or Iran, or a solar pulse from a, a sun flare, as happened in 1859 with the Carrington effect, if we didn't harden our grid, as already China and Russia have done, by the way. Um, some of the concerns were outlined in the book um, Lights Out by Ted Koppel. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, President Trump had uh, mentioned possi- the possibility of hardening the grid, but since he didn't get a second term, that's not going to take place, obviously. However, recently I was terrified to hear about a new um, threat that the Biden administration wants to allow China access to our electrical grid, which is sheer suicidal lunacy because it would give them a means to hack and ultimately sabotage um, our transmission systems by merely pressing buttons and making any kind of attack a moot point. Right. Um, So... Well, that would be an attack. It just wouldn't be the, the military kind, but it would be an attack that would be preceding the military attack because once we are essentially left, um, uh, you know, uh, impotent to be able to, you know, run our cities and to run our country with that type of or a the widespread attack. Cars that, or the electrical cars that they're touting we should get. Well, that's the other part of the story, and I, and I thought that's where you were going, Sally, and I'm glad you got there, because that's the point, and thank you for your phone call, as always. That's the point that was made yesterday when we were talking about, again, this green energy dream of AOC and Kamala Harris and now Joe Biden and certainly John Kerry. They're talking about building electric car plants all over America and, most uh, you know, most urgently, replacing the 650,000 or so vehicle federal fleet with all electric vehicles that is an order that joe biden is giving and a friend called me yesterday and said in addition to the lunacy of of thinking how people are going to get around when you have battery lengths you know limiting the number of miles that you can go on a single charge you're going to have to have charging stations on every off-ramp and on every city corner uh in america just like you have gas stations Except that instead of filling up in three minutes, you're going to have to sit there for an hour while your car charges enough to get you the miles to finish your journey. And I, uh, that's the part, point I made. Then a friend texted me and said, not to mention, and he's right, you know, 100,000 people in California plug in their air conditioners at the same time. The electrical grid crashes. They have to have rolling blackouts through California. Take that and put it on steroids with tens of millions of electrical vehicles being all charged up at about the same time at the end of the workday. When you come home with your little electric car and you plug it into your uh, your 440 in your garage and everybody's doing the same thing, you think the electrical grid can withstand that? Then multiply that time the rest of the states that are going to have to be doing this. It is absolutely devastating to think about what would happen to our electrical grid and not one single solitary pathetic excuse for a reporter will ask that question of any of them of Biden, of Saki, of of Kerry, or any of them. You get it. I get it. Charlie gets it. 
They don't get it, and they won't even ask about it. Tanya in Akron. Hi, Tanya. Go right ahead. Tanya, you there? Hey, Bob. There she is. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you something that you just said, because I was going to rant like you, but I'm over ranting. You just said that you wouldn't question uh, Gonzalez's patriotism. Why not? I mean, definition of 1826 patriotism is inspired by the love of one's country directed to public safety and welfare. He doesn't give a crap. I'm tired of us making excuses for weak-kneed Republicans, but holding Democrats up to a higher standard. Hold ours to that same standard. Patriotism is about country. Country is not about Lake Erie and Wadsworth. Country is about the Constitution. So if he can't be patriotic about the Constitution, I can call him a non-patriot, and I'd have a problem with that. Well, I, I would defend myself only to say I was speaking more specifically to what Beverly brought up about she thinks he probably uh, is doing what he's doing you know, with respect to impeaching Trump because of his fellow football players, because he's a former NFL player, a former Ohio State player, and that you know, a lot of them kneel, so maybe he's like them and he doesn't, you know, doesn't respect the country. And that's, I, I think that's an extreme um, guess to make or an extreme insinuation, and I'm not going to say that he's, you know, a question is patriotism. In regard to in regard to that, but his decision, as I said to him live, his decision to vote to impeach Trump without due process does make me question his commitment to the Constitution, which I think is is self explanatory. The point is that we, I'm a I'm black female. Mm-hmm. I am so I'm up to I'm over my top. I'm saying I saw this crap coming. I saw it happening because we when we get someone and they have flaws in the Republican Party. We chew them up and spit them out. But these these spineless people, we allow them to sit there, and they collect like freaking bunch of roaches, and then before you know it, when we need them, they scatter. But when they need us, they all are out for that, that, front, that piece of bread. It's time for us to learn how to fight. Well, yeah. here's the thing that I would say, Tiny, in response. I don't disagree with the word of that. We do have to fight, and I thank you for your phone call and for your passion. The problem is, where are the conservative patriots going to come from to primary those who sell us out out of office? If we're left between the choices of, you know, the rhino types or the, you know, words only conservatives types against Democrats, we generally speaking have to pick the lesser of two evils. So the way that we fight is to increase the quality of our candidates. And that's the challenge. Back after the news.